0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Fine-Tuned Tuesday podcast. I'm your host, Aaliyah Jones, and I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm starting this episode with a bit of reflection to orient you on the why behind this title and episode. There were several months of my life last year where I was existing as two different versions of myself, on one end I was travelling, getting to know someone new, settling into a new job, excited about life and its changes, and the other part of me was heartbroken, missing the life I once knew and cherished deeply. Both were parts of me, both existed simultaneously. At that time, it felt impossible to accept that both versions of me were true. So I ran from the latter. Everything changed so quickly, and while these changes were for the better, nothing about this season of my life felt easy. I wanted this episode to remind us to let go and recenter as we enter new seasons. This week we are joined by a dear friend of mine who is a yogi, meditation coach, and spiritual guide based in Denver, Colorado. I asked him to join us this season because of how powerful his teachings have been in some of my darkest moments. I'm in awe of people who center wellness and spiritual practices in their lives, and he is certainly leading the movement. Prepare to leave this episode enlightened. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and learn from another fine-tuned session on Finding Your Footing. Damien, welcome to the Fine Tune Tuesday podcast. I am so excited to share this space with you.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me. Very happy, very excited to see what we uh, get into, see what we explore today.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, i've I've watched your growth um, from a distance for several years, and whenever I have shared space with you, I've literally left feeling spiritually renewed. Um, and when I thought about who could speak to what it means to lean into radical acceptance no other person came to mind but you and so I would love for us to start just by you sharing a little bit more about who you are and where folks can find you before we dive into the conversation
1: yeah um everybody who knows me knows I'm from the east side I rep it proudly the east side of Denver uh born and raised here um have many different things going on in the in the community, whether with uh, yoga, teaching yoga in the community, doing different events to get people to meditate, to get people to do yoga together, to get people to simply uh, commune and talk to each other, and share creative ideas. We've uh, tested different ideas in different events. Things have gone well. Things have been trial and error, and All of this has spurred from, uh, I say my my existential crisis that happened at five with my dad passing. And I think from from that moment on, it became a, a mission of mine to help people rest in peace before they rest in peace, as I say.
0: Thank you so much for sharing the why behind the work that you're doing for the community and yourself. I think that's so valuable before we get started, I want to lead us into the segment where we check in on each other and just see how we're entering the space today.
1: I'm doing well. Life has been uh crazy like it has for a lot of us. A lot of change and transition, as I know we'll deal with today. And just getting ready to go into a new chapter in my life has been something has been something else. But my my mind and spirit as well. Uh, physically I'm adapting to being back home, but, uh, I'm, I'm thankful to say that I'm, I'm good. Mm-hmm. A week ago, a week ago was a little bit rocky. I was, had my tears shed every day, but I like to, uh, I've always liked to believe mm-hmm. since I was little that God values every tear. So I've never been afraid to cry in that way for that reason.
0: I wanted to bring you on to this episode because I know a little bit of what your journey has been and things you've gone through but I've been incredibly impressed by how even through all the turbulence of your life you've been able to um still be grounded and still uh create peace and joy within your world so you know how have you sought peace through yoga and meditative practices and um what what sort of sparked you like leaning into this phase of your life?
1: When I was a, a kid, right after my, my dad died, and why I called it an existential crisis was I started to ask these questions that maybe we postponed and wait later on. Those questions being like, who, what am I? Who is God? If he took my dad, will he take me? Because already at five, I was looking in the mirror, like I'm not that great of a guy, so surely. <laughs> Surely, for whatever reason, this reaper took him. He's he's waiting for me. So this this fear arose that I couldn't ignore, but also at the time growing up Christian, I didn't know what, what I was doing was meditating because I would sit and ask myself these questions and have my eyes closed for hours at a time. Um, but I didn't have the word meditation for it as a child. And later on, I started to have dreams that I would die at sixteen, and they were recurring. And I had never really told anybody. This definitely haven't ever shared it uh, publicly. But there was a couple people at school who even were scared to tell me that they had a dream about me uh, dying. And so once I I saw that with my my classmates. In school, I'm like, oh yeah, surely <laughs> I'm, I'm really gonna die. But anyways, fast forward, I turned 16, a few months pass, and I started to realize, okay, maybe it wasn't a physical death that was being shown in my dreams. And so that kind of sparked a, a desire and an urgency to get to know my inner life. So that's when I started meditating and Mm -hmm. at the time i my first yoga class was a yoga ladies class with a bunch of old white people (laughs) but uh i did it consciously thinking that i just wanted to get an advantage or a step up while i was playing football so i just wanted an advantage on the competition but that was my real first Mm -hmm. yoga class and Mm -hmm. that's why my guru also says even when you do yoga for the wrong reasons it still ends up uh working out so initially the stretching part the posture part of yoga i just didn't like it it threw me off i wasn't on that and as a male athlete i really was off put to the stretching so i ditched that but i kept up with the meditation until uh, years later when i picked back up the asana as we call it the postures and I think when I slowly started to see the impact that it had on me and then the impact that others could see on seeing me, it was like first I saw the impact it was having on me. Then my environment, people around me started to acknowledge the impact that it had on me. And then in recent years, I've been able to see the impact that it has on others. So by the time it got to that point, that's why I feel this full head of steam with it now.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful journey. I, I want to kind of dive a little bit deeper into the impact that it's had on you, right? Because I think that sometimes it can be incredibly scary to do that inner work and to begin to, I think, face ourselves, uh, but then also start to think about why the particular emotions arise in different settings. And so I would love to hear a little bit more about what the impact look like as you continue to just mature and get to know yourself and go through life and, and enter different seasons.
1: I often find myself quoting the Bible, even though I wouldn't call myself Christian, I find myself quoting it often because that's what I was raised on. But there's this particular verse in the New Testament where it speaks on the one who the one who ascends is also the one who descends. So in this this journey that I've seen each sense of elevation that I've experienced, I've also experienced a certain descent. Um, And from this place, I feel we have that fear and a little bit of that terror of doing the inner work. But I came to realize through my honest moments of depression, of suicidal thoughts, um, intense anxiety, I recognize that the the fear was getting me anyway the suffering was causing me to experience all those things that i feared by doing the inner work the demons weren't being faced but they were definitely being entertained mm-hmm. through my through my pain and through my attachment to trauma and that impact didn't become great until I really got to see the impact of others and the impact that it had on others. I think oftentimes when we go through things, one of the ways of the ego is to isolate us, is to separate us. And Mm
0: -hmm. when
1: I started to see that, I recognized it's not so much of me and myself that finds actual comfort in this isolation Um, or this distancing from people, or from receiving love, but it helps perpetuate, it helps feed that unhappiness, it helps feed that ego and that attachment to your past, because you know, as long as you are holding on to your past, most of us are decision-based, based on our past. It's like what we did or didn't do, that affects what we choose in the future when I've seen in my experience that there's actually a great Mm. intelligence to trusting and thinking presently. There's not a naivety that we think, and we give a lot more credit to the past than I believe that we should because it also gives us a a justification not to let it go. And I've seen that in my own experience, and I see that come up strongly in my intimate Mm. relationships these relationships that we let close to us, they bring the mirror a little bit up in our face. (laughs) And so that feeling is different initially.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 You're so, I don't know if you've heard of this book, it's called The Untethered Soul. Right. And I, and I read this chapter this morning that talked about why letting go is so important. It's like letting go of situations and people that no longer serve uh, the particular path that we're on, but also letting go of the issues that we hold so close to our heart, right? Like, I think for me, for a long time, I held on to my traumas as a descriptor to why I would behave a particular way. And that was always what I would return to is like, oh, I'm like this because of my abandonment issues, or oh, I'm like this because of whatever. I would always come up with, A reasoning instead of letting go of what that trauma was. It doesn't make it any less significant, right? Because I'm always going to remember those things. But I think that sometimes we don't let ourselves, we don't even tap into how powerful we can be to control, like you said, being in the present and not letting particular elements of our past um, sway us and have a control on us in the way they do. And so that, that sort of leads me into my next question for you is, why is it so important to let go of what is familiar when God or the universe is is letting us know time and time again that that, that thing, that entity, that person is no longer for us? Like, why do we really need to let go?
1: You know, because what we bring so close to us, we begin to identify with and especially what we assume and attach ourselves to, we become identified with. And I I think that it's important that we understand letting go from a perspective of, of happiness and letting go from a perspective of power, because I think oftentimes letting go is taught very morally, like the right thing to do is letting go and the wrong thing to do is holding on. But there's a time for everything There's a time where you try to let go so intensely, but the lesson is being able to hold on and preserve whatever's in your hands or in your possession at the time. And then there's a time to let go. And so I feel like the power of letting go, which we often associate with surrender, I know that he talks about that often in the book, until the soul, that power of surrender. Because, you know, similar to when people get blackmailed, if you have nothing, if there, if you have nothing to be blackmailed, there's no power in, in the threat. And so I've seen in my experience, the more that I have released those mental possessions of people and places and and things, uh, life appears as less of a threat than it once did. And not from a point Mm. of not seeing that there's violence and there's, different things and chaos going on in the world, but your field emits a certain attraction, your field emits a certain energy, Even, even confusion doesn't have a face to it, it doesn't say, it doesn't have a judgment to it, like, oh, this person is six, or this person is 60, or this is a good person or a bad person. Level confusion is level confusion. Fear is fear. Anxiety is anxiety. And once we start to recognize these things, we get to let it go so we can start to see that happiness is, is free will. I feel like a lot of us, including me, you know, we're on our path and we're wanting to be happy in a way that that desire is almost perpetuating like it's elsewhere. And I have to go through steps one, two, three to finally get there. But I've seen, like, happiness is what it is because it's a choice. It's a choice that you can choose now, and it's a choice that you can choose 20 years, and if you really believe that, 20 lifetimes from now. But until you let go, you don't know.
0: You know, this makes me think of something else I read that in in the same book. It's such a good book, Untethered Soul. Uh, I'll provide a link to it um, in the description. But it talked about... Like, even this idea of happiness, it's tied to what, like, how we perceive what is good and what is bad, right? Like, obviously, some things in our life, like, for instance, a breakup, we would perceive that as bad and that would kind of derail our happiness. But it's all about mindset because what if we saw, oh, this relationship isn't working? It's actually a saving grace. Like, actually, this is because life has said this chapter is done. Mm -hmm. Like, it is time to move on to the next chapter. It's time for something new or someone new to enter, but we like to be in control of external events so much so that like you said, we don't know when we're supposed to like hold on and preserve and when we're supposed to let go and let ourselves be free.
1: It, uh, the observation of of children I carry in in my life to not persist in any childishness, of course, Mm -hmm. but to recognize it, to maintain a certain child likeness Because honesty, honesty in a natural way, not honesty like telling people the truth or a lie, but honesty in a childlike way. When a child is angry, they're not, there's until the conditioning starts to weigh on them from the outer, you know, external forces of parents and school and society start to say what's right or what's wrong about expression. a child is so honest about their expression in that moment so for myself I've seen the power even if I get a visceral reaction mm-hmm. externally I've seen the power and if I can't let go then I'm going to consciously hold on as tight as I can and I found a different power I found a different trust in life with that and a different patience and gentleness with with myself because so many of us, when we feel those nasty feelings, we want them to go away so bad. And a lot of us make choices to prolong facing that pain of longing. But uh, longing is a, is a natural sense of mm-hmm. physical life because we're all designed to evolve. So that, that longing is, in, is inherent even though it filters into individual desires, whether this person wants a husband and a family or, you know, a wife or neither and just wants to go crazy and be a bachelor. Uh, Oftentimes, our suffering filters through our own personal desires. So I also had to see that too, had to allow myself to let go of the gods Mm -hmm. putting me through this concept, or this is a time and season for that. Like, no, this is this is of my own doing and that that ability to respond, Mm -hmm. that nature of responsibility has altered my life so drastically because even if it crosses my mind of this person's habits or behavior, there's a space of consciousness. There's a space of awareness like, no, this is of my own making. And even if they're going that shit crazy, it's of my own making how I respond to it, mm-hmm. no matter how much I want to point the finger at them. And I talk to people all the time And when I get to talk to them about responsibility during the reading or during the class. You know, initially there's fight back. Like, how could you say I'm responsible for this or for that or for what this person mm-hmm. did to me? Or, and it's like, that's exactly why it's allowed to persist within us because our mind has declared so many reasons why I shouldn't be responsible and in that way I feel it's it's a sign of maturity on your path once you start feeling your willingness to see beyond right and wrong, good or bad because if you get if you're blessed mm-hmm. enough to get older you see that it's not, it's not as trivial as this person is a good person or a bad person. You know, personal, personal experience, I think about my uncle who's now in prison. And at almost 70 years of age, they gave him 94 years. And he, he got into it, he killed a man, wounded his son, you know, after they made racial slurs and things towards him, but I ended up, you know, seeing his face on the news and hearing some comments. You know, seeing some things about how this is such a horrible man. How could this? You know, how could he kill someone and wound the wound the son and do this so nonsensibly almost? And this is the same man who paid for my school, made sure I got into school, would take me to school every day out of everybody in my family, made sure I got there every day, helped me get my first car. Like, this is a wonderful man in my experience. And when we're lucky enough to have enough grace on our lives for the things that we have done and the mistakes that we have made, Mm -hmm. and we're willing to look at that with gratitude, we recognize there's a life there's a world beyond our likes and our dislikes and what's so to say good and bad and i believe that's when we can start to take steps to reel in all that which we desire whether it's in a relationship or career or whatever else because now we're taking responsibility for our life because you know i had to see that in the mirror like if these amount of people keep cycling through my life if the faces keep changing but the problem remains the same I have to look at it. And one thing, and one right. thing that I've seen is some of us do that. Some yeah. of us get halfway there and recognize like, okay, this is where the problem is. But then some of us throw it away and give it right back to the ego because we're unwilling to also look in the mirror and see that I'm on the solution. And as soon as you acknowledge the problem, there's no need mm-hmm. for it anymore. All your focus and energy needs to be on that you're the solution and you can start to intelligently go about those steps of maybe healing certain relationships or being at peace with where they're at.
0: You said so many things I want to touch on like because I think that I I love this basically this this idea that we don't have to respond to everything. Like, that's kind of how I understood what you said, right? Like, even when someone does something to us that we perhaps do not like or we don't think is fair, we can choose not to respond to that. Because the moment that we decide to respond to any sort of, like, negativity or any sort of violence or whatever it may be, we are then also contributing to that, to that negative space, to that, to that sort of energy. But when we get control of ourselves enough to know like, Hey, this response to me is completely outside of myself. Like I I don't also have to participate in this. There's a particular, I feel freedom that comes a particular like detachment from always being on the response to others. People or situations being our mirror and learning to like, take control of our role. in that is so important. Our partners, our friends, the spaces we occupy tend to also be a reflection of the space that we are currently in. And I know I struggled with that a lot, right? Like I have been in a lot of unhealthy relationships and it was very easy for a long time to point the finger and be like, it's them. They, they you know, they don't do this right, et cetera, et cetera. But then I had to sit and say to myself, why is this something that I continue to attract and why is it something that I continue to put up with? Why do I continue to find myself in these environments that continue to make me uncomfortable? Why do I not have peace in my life? Because I can't always blame somebody else for that. Like at some point I had to take take the reign and say, this is also me because I am the guide of my life. I always have a choice. I have a choice every single day what I am going to do and what I am not going to do. It can be so easy to pass the baton of blame to somebody else. But I think the true growth happens when we're able to say, hey, but how did I participate in what my reality is? And once I have that realization, what can I do to create a new reality for myself? Yeah. I just think everything you're saying is, is spot on. I, I read something this morning that I wanted to share with you and just kind of hear your thoughts about. If you truly want to grow spiritually, you have to be willing to open your heart in the face of anything and everything and permit the purification process to take place. Yeah. How does that quote resonate with you?
1: Deeply. To where uh, I had to simply... <laughs> my first response was just to smile. There's this mantra in Buddhism that's, uh, you say it like, Am manipadme Padme Hum. Hum means the jewel is in the lotus and what this sound and the meaning for it translates is that jewel that shining jewel that diamond that you're looking for is usually covered in the mud and muck of when we speak with the mind the mental debris of fear and hatred and separation for example, and where most of us, purification for me is a pretty word for destruction or dissolving. For most of us in this world and time, it's not going to appeal to too many for me to ask if you want to dissolve or you want to (laughs) disappear or destroy what you call yourself. That's not sexy. That's not... (laughs) to bring people to the uh to the yard to the event (laughs) but for the purification side of it it's a pretty word for it because you have to let what's what's dirty what's unclean Mm -hmm. be removed and if you are and i love how in the book it says permit right because i feel like that's that has a double not a double side But it has a contrast to it because on one side, that permit, that permission allows you to see a power in your willingness. Just simply in your willingness, because many of us think we have more control than we actually do. And when our willingness is utilized, we see Mm -hmm. when we're simply willing, life takes care of itself. As my master likes to say, life takes care of life. But most of us are playing dead, Yeah, living and walking about this world unconsciously. Most of us spend most of the day unconscious of the one thing that we need to continue existing here, which is our breath. Something as simple as that is not giving reverence and appreciation. So you're, you're spending how much time a day paying attention to the in and outs of your breath. And but you want somebody else to pay uh, Mm -hmm. attention to your breath and honor the the body and the person that this breath is going in and out of. (laughs) But you're not giving yourself that that gratitude. And that's why Mm -hmm. yoga and meditation for me is such a simple thing. And in my eyes, it's going back to a more, I don't want to use the word ancient, but going back to a place where, you know, as melanated people, we we thrived and we didn't just thrive from having all the gold and everything else. There was a period of time where people had to spend 24, the first 24 years of their life uh, reaching for self-realization, reaching for freedom and liberation before they can even go out and into the community or parts of their world and teach physics or be a doctor or a math teacher and so for us these days it's the other way around we get into our yoga and our meditation and everything so that it helps us but like I say in every class the beautiful thing about yoga is it doesn't have nothing to do with you Mm. and I always feel an initial like energy shift in the class whenever that's said but it's true the beautiful thing about it is it has nothing to do with you Meditation is so hard for so many people because it has nothing to do with them. But they, because of the lack of love, so many of us feel Mm -hmm. we've attempted to replace the lack of love with the need for specialness. And when you enter the realm like communing with people in community, which we call that karma yoga in yoga, or if you're being devoted to your God, Mm -hmm. which we call bhakti in yoga, or whether your energy or your mind is being put in a certain way. Like when you step aside, all those things you were striving for when it was about you now has a place to bloom. And essentially that purification is the dissolution of this little eye that we're addicted to. <laughs> we're, whether we like to admit it or not so many of us are entrapped by our addiction about thinking about me Mm. and from there so many different uh problems arise and so many different mental health issues start to persist within people's system and emotionally chemically we start to get off balance with these type of thoughts and this anxiety and this paranoia. And uh, that shift from paranoia to pronoia is initially such a scary one because it's the total opposite of what you became so familiar and conditioned to. You became so familiar with that uh, what would we say is the opposite of purification or what's pure, what's like distorted or what's unclean and i just remember like one of these interviews from dmx before he passed somebody was interviewing a man mm-hmm. you know he always kind of had that edge and intensity And he was like who the f wants to be happy all the time like that's not that's not right who mm-hmm. <laughs> you know who wants to who wants to be joyous and feel that all the time that's not a, i'm not i don't want that and you know the same man bless him he overdosed uh, but we, we have this, this mentality, all of us. Maybe yeah. we don't have it at the degree where we're expressing it out loud the way DMX did, mm-hmm. but a lot of us, including me, had this idea growing up like happiness isn't constant and who's really happy all the time? Because we mm-hmm. have the facades of people who seem happy and everything always, but inside, right. that's another story but there's a, there's a happiness that dwells within us that's so deep, that's so permanent. It has room for sadness to pass by, like a, like a car that you're watching from outside your house, almost, and grief. There's a happiness that's so deep, it's not in the business of mm-hmm. eradicating anything because all it knows is itself. But there's a certain journey and path that has to be permitted to be taken to discover that for ourselves because we can't come Mm. to know that it has to be discovered
0: you just painted a picture for me that I love right it's like it's like joy and happiness are a house like literally right we have a like it's, it's our stability it's our roots almost and then these other particular emotions are just passing by and I think that's such an important image for us because sometimes we end up getting in the car of anger and we let that shit drive us off the the highway, you know? But when we can realize that we can stay in the house of, of joy and peace, but we can still acknowledge that we see like, yeah, I see these other cars passing by, but I don't have to get in them. (laughs)
1: Like
0: I have a choice not to get in there. It doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that the purification process isn't excruciating i don't even think that's what that quote is saying right like it, it doesn't mean that it feels good it's just necessary you know and i think that there's this 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 analogy that jay shetty and i've talked to you about jay shetty before <laughs> i'm obsessed with jay shetty um yeah. so you know a chariot you have like five horses our senses are those five horses And then we are the person, the chariot, we're guiding those five horses, right? So if we let our our senses take control of our life, that's like letting our senses go wherever they want. Oh, I'm hungry. So I'm going to eat whatever it is I want to eat. Oh, this smells good. I'm going to go wherever it smells good. Oh, this this tastes like all these things. Oh, this looks good. So I'm going to go to the first thing that looks good. And that's letting our senses like literally guide our life. But you see, you get yanked around when you're letting your senses take control in that way. But I feel like you can acknowledge what your senses are saying, but your senses are not guiding you. You're able to make, you're able to sit in a space of like rational thought and think Mm -hmm. a little bit through like, okay, I know that hamburger Mm -hmm looks and tastes really good. And I could go for that, but I've also been telling myself I'm going to stop eating this way and I'm going to make changes in my life. And I do have Mm -hmm. control over my senses. And that's what everything you're talking about reminds me of. It's just that we don't, we don't have to continue following those same patterns. When we end up going through the purification process, we have the opportunity to see something and act differently the next time it happens. And, you know, I, I I would like us to kind of go in the direction of us both sharing perhaps a moment in our life where we did let our senses take over, and then we saw ourselves repeating some of that same behavior we thought we grew out of, and how we were able to bring ourselves back to to center.
1: Yeah, I could say so many times in my life. I could say last week. (laughs) Because, uh, you know, similar to like working out or training, When when you're barely working out, the pain and the soreness is greater and it lasts longer. But the more you work out, those muscles rip and they begin to repair faster. And so does the cells in your blood forming this oxygen to allow you to not have so much lactic acid in the body so you cannot feel so sore and so tight. Uh, I feel similarly we we exercise this muscle, so Mm. to say, of uh, vigilance. Vigilance is uh, probably the least exercised muscle in the human right now to be able to have this balance of restraint, of practicing self-restraint and non-restraint because there's people in our lives who are the extremities of that. We have the monks, the monks who are a picture of practicing restraint, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they've gone further in their path because your eyes can be closed with all type of desires crossing your mind with, pizza flying across (laughs) your mental to where you can't focus in your meditation. And we also know Mm
0: -hmm.
1: those, we already know those, uh, effects of the non, the extremity of non-restraint and letting yourself eat whatever, have sex with who and whatever, you know, chase this and that. We know the, the examples of that as well. Um, that's where I feel the power of purpose and finding resolve in it is so beautiful. And the more eternal, the more infinite your goals and your desires start to reflect, that anchor is also strengthening to be able to come back home. And I like it in in the New Testament, as Jesus says, like, I am a door that you you can freely come in and out of similarly i believe that we have to see that for ourselves first that Mm. leaving this sense of myself that feels peace and content and all this like that i can go out i have to experience it again in another way before it can be let go or dissolved forever or transformed or alchemized somehow and uh so i've seen that in my life and because I've allowed myself to go through these things intensely. I've also faced those intensities of, damn, I thought I was past that, or damn, I thought I was over that, or I didn't think that was in me anymore. But Maya Angelou, you know, she, I don't know if she's the first one to say it, but I'm quoting her when uh, she was talking to Oprah and saying, you know, one thing you should never do is look at another human being and say, I'm not capable of that. That's, your, that's one of your first ways to be miserable because as soon as you, you see whether it's a killer, she got extreme or whatever else. And for you to say I'm not capable of, of that. it uh, takes a certain piece of humanity away from you and from and from that person and from your experience. Mm-hmm. So being able to see that all of these things are capable within me, for a lot of us, that's scary to think. It scares us alone thinking that, oh, I could put my hands on this person or I could feel harm here or I could feel harm towards myself in this moment. And it like starts to disrupt uh, permission to express. When I've seen, you know, you have those moments with the mind where there's a storm, but it's ultimately your issue no longer being abandoned in yourself. I've come to see that for myself with my outer life, with my things, with my dad passing at five, like you said earlier, that used to, that became an excuse for me un- unknowingly. It became an, un- an unconscious excuse to persist in certain things. Not that I was trying to make blame for it, but I wasn't allowing responsibility to be met where it wanted to be met for healing To take place and so in that way I also am now blessed enough to be able to teach and speak with people so God life always presents people at the right time to remind me to come back home or to remain where I am as I am because of the the effects I am now a full believer Mm and God is not Mm -hmm. one of punishment but absolutely open to teaching you through reward because when you're happy when you're in love you have a different carefreeness it's not even a carelessness and it's not it's definitely not a carefulness but when you're in love and you're happy it's like you go to you go to work oh that's okay you leave you want a coffee <laughs> right you know <laughs> it That's how we admit when we're feeling happy and when we're feeling in love. So that right there is like, there's no moment where, I like how Eckhart Tolle says, suffering isn't necessary, but it's often the door that we need as humans to walk through it and to go beyond it. Because suffering has the limitation It's funny enough that suffering and pain and destruction feels like it'll never end. But suffering is so acute Mm -hmm. the way that it is because it has a limitation and it has an ending. Mm -hmm. And because most of our suffering is limited to us as individuals. Mm -hmm. Aaliyah can be suffering right now from her breakup and I can feel perfectly content (laughs) because that's your psychological drama. (laughs) and vice versa. And so once once we see this and we're willing to be happy rather than right about something, then it's like when it used to take me a year to come back home to myself, two years to come back home to myself, now it's taking nine months. Now all of a sudden it's six months. Now all of a sudden it's three months. Now all of a sudden the shit that would have me off for five years is gone in a month. Now all of a sudden the shit that I had me pissed off for a month is taking me a week to, to let go of. And for humans, progress mm-hmm. equals happiness.
0: Something you said that I think is honestly just really profound was this acute nature of suffering. And that once we're on the other side of suffering, it can be really easy to forget that we were once suffering. It can be really easy to forget what choices we were making when we were once suffering. When I've entered the space of calm, of serenity, of solitude, of harmony, it's really hard for me to fathom the decisions that people are making. And so I create a lot of distance between where I'm at and where some people are at that I feel like are not on my same energetic level. And I think boundaries are okay. I'm completely for boundaries. But I think there's a difference between creating boundaries mm. and being judgmental. And I think the judgment space often is another reflection yeah. of self. Because who am I as a human being who's made mistakes, who has done wrong, who has seen myself in a very dark space, look at somebody else in mm. past judgment? But I was able to give myself grace, I was able to forgive myself. I was able to go through my own elongated process as long as I needed to. But, oh, I see my friend making these decisions, staying in a situation that I don't agree with, and all of a sudden I'm like, that's stupid. Why are you doing that? But I took myself through the trenches for however long, you know? And so I think that's, that's a part of my ego release has been reminding myself, that I am in I am in no space to ever to ever judge to pass judgment on anybody else does it matter how great I think I'm doing because the one thing that's certain in life is that God will always take us through another opportunity to learn something and while it may not feel the suffering may not feel as long as intense as it once did, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen again. I just have better tools to sort of remain calm and have my footing as it happens. But I can't judge somebody else. And I think it's interesting too because you and I have seen each other through so many different lifetimes of each other.
1: Shenanigans. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Like yeah, I've really way seen you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I've really seen you in 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 all your various chapters. But I think because I've known you since you were 13 years old, I've I've just grown to have a different sort of respect or like or, or kindness towards what your journey is. And so I'm working on taking that same mindset and that same love to people that I'm not even that close with and say, like, this person also has their own journey, their own chapters that they're working through. um, And I always want to emit, like, love. Even if I have boundaries, even if I have boundaries, I still want to emit, like, a very loving and peaceful energy. Um, because I, I do believe that, uh, no matter like the current state someone is in, they deserve to receive that, you know,
1: i receive that.
0: So, yeah, I don't know. You've given me so much to think about and you've you've shared so much insight that I think has been incredibly valuable to the space and hopefully anyone who's listening. Um, and it's for me just really, I feel honored to be able to sit in this space and really like hear and process how you think and articulate like all of the lessons that you've undergone um, throughout your lifetime. Like you do it very eloquently. Um, and I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm really proud of you to be honest. I'm really, I'm really proud of the space that you occupy.
1: Thank you. And like you said, the same way that you feel about me, I feel about you. We've actually known each other since sixth grade, since we were like 11, 10, 11 years old. And, uh, I've seen you mature, yeah, mature greatly. And I think uh, we're so big on our desire to be better. Sometimes that we, uh, we undervalue the, the happiness in the progression. And sometimes we have to reflect. And as I put it, like in yoga terms, you see that you can touch your toes now. You have to remember that a year ago You can barely touch touch your kneecaps. And that'll remind you to, to keep going forward. And I believe that you've done so much work on yourself and within yourself. And that's what's most important to me. As I know you can see inside of yourself, which is why it's so important to me. Because you see that once you allow this vessel to be emptied, to be clear, to be purified, you have more space, you have more energy to share with others. Because for me, honestly, I believe that where, like you use with boundaries and judgment, like where most of us place our boundaries is where we're still honing our wisdom and discernment and what we're learning to give. Because I've learned that even when I give you all of my love and I give you all of my wisdom afterwards, I still have all of my love and all of my wisdom. And Mm -hmm. so that, Mm -hmm. that I always aim to be in a space within myself to be inexhaustible because I know that that resource is inexhaustible. Now, what I can give, if you kept, If you kept coming to me for $5, $20 and I don't have it, that's a question of capability, you know, and I should be able to discern a no this time, you know, or maybe a a yes this time. And I feel that's another power of being able to let go as you start to reveal to yourself this new power of presence and how this presence within you responds so spontaneously so innocently but also so uh directly and i think about it like on the fourth i was watching my one of my better friends and his child and his child kept throwing the the ball in the street and that child has boundaries it's at a certain state and stage where you better not go into the street there's different type of repercussions for that and so I'm definitely not saying that boundaries are bad at all, but the same with good and good and bad. We hope that for these we hope that for every concept and every idea that we have that one day we can acknowledge that it's only a step. That whatever we believe at this time right now, wherever stage we're at in our life at the time to be open to knowing that this is this is a step cuz life in its essence the trees, the sky, everything in life, but humans is not giving meaning to it. It's simply living. And that shows what place of unhappiness and descent we have gone into collectively because when you're happy and you're joyous, you're you're not asking for a purpose. You're not asking about a mission. You're not asking about a reason. Mm -hmm. You almost don't even want to know it because it's like, for whatever reason, I'm just exploding with bliss and happiness right now. Just like, let it, let it fly. And from, from this place and seeing that, that stabilizes and it stabilizes by giving it, giving it, endlessly. But learning, learning that is such a process. And as you said, God gives us every opportunity to, to learn. And that's, uh, that's the greatest mercy for me.
0: Yeah. You know, Damien, um, really and truly, you filled the space with so much to consume in a way that's going to lead to more growth and more inner work and deeper thinking about ego release and who we are and our purpose and what it means to undergo the purification process. Um, Like I said to start this episode, I think that you were absolutely the perfect person to talk about what it means to let go and to find balance in your life after you do let go. So Thank you for sharing your your knowledge with us. Um, before we before we end, we're gonna tap into our our segment. It's called a fine-tuned tip. Uh, so I'll ask that you'll leave listeners with you know a tip or advice um, for them to to take with them as they enter the the rest of their week.
1: I know the topic of today was find your footing. So uh, we also with that talked a lot about purification. I found uh, meditation to be one of the greatest tools and devices for the purifying of the mind and even as science is finding your body. And I would say taking three to five minutes of your day, you don't even have to call it meditation, but no more than three to five minutes. And just simply eyes closed, sitting still, allowing yourself because love makes no demands. And once we start to open ourselves to what we call meditation, simply being able to be still for three to five minutes, that you need to know that in the beginning, meditation is the acknowledgement of a war that has been going on inside of you for all this time before you chose to acknowledge it. So taking these three to five minutes for these first few months until you find yourself naturally prolonging it. Uh, Because that purification process has to happen. And while it's happening, you know, similar to your mother or your father, when they need to help you or fix something or bandage something, it makes it worse when you're moving everywhere (laughs) and you're not still. So these... this little bit of time that we're spending with the the timeless presence and essence within ourselves has effects and benefits and fruit that can't even be quantified. And you, you start to allow yourself to be able to find footing in what never leaves. And that's this moment you know, in the West, we talk a lot about being present, but there's nowhere else to be. <laughs> Even when you're in the trauma and in your mind about the past, you're, that's right. that's your choice mm-hmm. of direction in the, in the present. And meditation and the purification mm-hmm. process of releasing the ego. And as we release the ego, we're not so ashamed to be with the present. It's not so hard to be with the present because we see we're not so bad after all. In this type of innocence, in this type of lightness, I've seen meditation to be able to show to me and in small increments of it.
0: Yeah, that's that's beautiful, Damien. Um I need to get back to my meditative practices myself. So thank you for that reminder. And I hope whoever's listening also just just takes some time to try it out there is no such thing as meditating perfectly um i've learned that uh so so thank you for that for that fact and um damien again thank you so much for for being here um your your voice was a beautiful addition to to this podcast so thank you
1: thank you love you
0: love you too Thank you for listening to another episode of the Fine Tune Tuesday podcast. As always, we appreciate your support. If you can do us a favor and leave us a review, a comment, tag us on social media, share with your network, and let us know how we did. We love interacting with all of our listeners and would greatly appreciate your feedback and support as we continue on this journey. See you again next Tuesday.